So I guess we're talking about church hurt. That's Israel Healy. You've heard from him before. Both of us wanted to talk about church hurt on this week's episode. But first, I'll let him explain his family's experience with it. We've also got his mom on the phone. This is going to sound a bit different from usual, but I really hope you enjoy. Here's Israel. Our home church, since nearly I was born, had a big split. Um, There were faithful people on both sides. Um, It was definitely led by someone who abused power um, that was newly acquired. They hire a new pastor during this period of rapid growth in the church. And when we say rapid growth, we mean rapid growth especially in the youth department. Israel's mom, we will refer to her as Chris with a K from here on out, was in charge of Awanas at the time, basically Bible school for little kids that runs all year round. Both of Israel's parents were heavily involved in the worship team, and the Healy's were well known and were an established family in the community. It was really cool. I I loved seeing my family. I remember loving the feeling of being so involved in our church. But with the growth came change. And spoiler alert, not everyone was on board. I think there was some pretty deep-seated clinging to kind of old ways of doing things. Here's Chris. So as with the church as a whole began to experience the growth, along with that came some real moderate changes and music styles in the church bringing in some moderate contemporary worship music along with the more traditional hymn singing the children's ministry almost doubled in size and there was a what we thought a real excitement in the church i just i remember loving seeing my mom sing on the worship team and like praising because of that so things are going great israel loves seeing his mom sing the ministry is growing but remember that pastor we told you about a second ago let's bring him back all of a sudden out of the blue Um, all of that was brought to a halt by the leadership in the church. A new pastor had come in who communicated word for word that he was God's representative to the church. There was an attempt on the part of dad and several of the men in our group to work with the elder board at the time to try to talk through the concerns. People felt a boldness to say awful things to my family, about my family, about some of our very close friends, um, accusing us of, of nameless sins. What were some of those? So, actually, that's why I say nameless. Um, they, <laughs> I remember um, hearing my parents talk that they wanted to know like, where their sins were. Like, how have I offended these people? Um, and they said that it was private and they weren't allowed to know what sins that they'd identified in them. There had been an accusation that there was sin in the lives of several of us, but they were unwilling to share with us what that sin was. They said that it was private and couldn't be uh, made public to us or even one-on-one. So they carried that and made it, made the announcement to the congregation that there was sin. Um, Mm -hmm. but did not tell the congregation or us what that was. First Timothy 5, 19 through 20. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that that the rest of the congregation may stand in fear of sin. Um, That was was kind of the basis for it. But I, I think I was talking to my mom and it was really awkward because like 
um, when they made the announcement, there was nothing that they were actually being accused of. What do you think they would have said was the reason they were just coming up with all these baseless sins about your family? Like, what did they say was their reasoning behind that? Um, so I remember specifically mom was accused of stealing money from the offering, um, which like, we all know your mom. <laughs> like, I'm so confused by that. Like, that's like such a cliche thing to accuse somebody from mm. or in church. Uh, I think another one would be like power hoarding because the Awanas had been growing. Mom was at the head of that ministry. It's probably some really, jealousy. Yeah. She's really freaking good at it. And I know a lot of the deceit from some of the women in the church kind of came from the pastor's wife. And it was a new pastor. I don't know. So being young, it's kind of, it is hard to steal man. Um, such a straw argument from them. <laughs> I know that sounds conceited, but they never really gave I mean, reasoning. if it's true though, like if they, if they said that she was stealing and they didn't come up with any evidence she was stealing and if they came up with sins that they couldn't tell her about. Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing was like when yeah. they asked, it was, we can't tell you, they're private things. But they then they would ask, well, can you tell us in private? And they'd say no. So here's a recap. The church is growing. Chris is killing it at youth ministry. But the new leadership and certain members of the congregation are accusing her of stealing from the church and sinning in ways they can't repeat. You have to ask yourself, why is this happening? What is in it for them? From what I know of myself and how wicked I am as an individual, some of that stuff is just from vitriol. Um, it's just from evil um, mm -hmm. and and whatever else, you know, whatever other evil motivation you want to pin it. I don't know. With as, as power goes up and power grabbing goes up and covetedness, so too does a lot of other vice. It uh, just became a very, very painful, painful experience. But I remember kind of seeing my parents really struggle with the decision to leave or not. Um, so in that, they sought a lot of reconciliation. Six months, four couples met once a month with the elder board to try to work through this. And uh, it finally became very clear that we were not going to see eye to eye and uh, we had to make the decision to leave for the peace of the church. If we stayed, it was going to continue. And we started a little, not a church plant. Um, it was decidedly not a church plant at one point. It was basically just a kind of a time of further reconciliation. We had did a Bible study together every Sunday, did Sunday school with the little kids, and we rented out my school or my elementary school. And it was great. I remember a lot of blessing coming from that. A lot of, honestly, a lot of people being saved and, and new relationships being formed. Um, but I don't know. I It sucks being accused and abused of things that are baseless and, and have no grounding in reality or scripture. Um, I wrote out some things that I kind of noticed from how she spoke. Um, I think maybe like discernment lines was kind of what I thought of calling it. She said something where like, as much as we want peace in that, like if scripture and God's word and his goodness is not going to be the highest priority, then that's something where we can't stay. Really, what was that final breaking point for us was um, when the elf word said they did not care as much what the Bible had to say about the issue 
as they did with their own concerns that arose from experience. And when that was made clear to us, we realized we just, there was nothing else that we could do. We could not see eye to eye on the need to go to scripture to work through the situation. And without that, we really didn't have anything in common. So I, I don't know, I thought that was, I thought that was a really cool way of approaching it. And something sometimes I, I see the opposite of, maybe in our generation too, where maybe, maybe, and again, this is not every situation, obviously, but where I think sometimes like scripture is presented and then there's conviction and then that's uncomfortable. Um, I think emotion and experience sometimes on the part of the person leaving will trump scripture. Um, but like it happened with my mom, it can definitely be the opposite too. Um, but I think that's why it's really important to kind of talk, talk about like, what are some of those balancing or tipping points or where do we draw the line on some of those things? Was there any kind of like inclination for like leading up to that, like signs that that was going to happen or were things kind of just quiet until there was like a leader to the face of um, maybe some turmoil, I guess? Well, that's actually a really good way to, to put it because as far as we knew, there weren't any issues until there was that face. One of the moments where just the lights went off for us and we knew there was a real genuine problem was when he stood before the church and said he was God's representative to us and we needed to trust his insight on all of this and uh, that was held at that moment and through many discussions actually following that that was held up as more important than what scripture actually had to say if as a church scripture can't be the focus on our source of wisdom then um it ceases to exist as um, a, a godly fellowship to be a part of. Do you remember there being like any temptation from people who left maybe to like just not go back to church? Was it that amount of hurt or was kind of everybody in the group really sold on seeking out church and that they could connect with? God was not the problem. Right. <laughs> the problem was that, you know, there was a group of folks that had gone to the same church all their lives and had become more committed to an experience and to a certain way of doing things than they had to God's word. Mm. And, and that was really the problem. Um, I don't know. I really grew to admire my parents in that, especially my mom, like for mom to experience that and then to still seek peace and reconciliation with these people, um, says a lot about her character. Especially because what we see most is, I shouldn't say we, what I see most is a response to church hurt that is profoundly millennial and that it's like, oh, toxic, get away from me. Toxic. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that that is not healthy for me. So I am leaving that behind. And that's right. the that's the whole point of church is that it's a bunch of unhealthy people trying to be healthy through Christ. Yeah, you know, definitely. I think, and so much of that too is like some of that is going to be some of it's going to be toxic. Like you're dealing with other people True. who are imperfect, but like also you've got work to do. You got to get sanctified. You got to mm-hmm. learn about Scripture. You got service to accomplish in the church. You got Christ to focus on, you know, like mm-hmm. sometimes, like sometimes so what, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like if, if you guys are all pursuing Christ, so what? This idea 
the idea of bucking up and having a so what mentality when it comes to church hurt. It reminds me of something Matt Chandler said during one of his fiery sermons from the pulpit of the village church. I heard it last week, and I really want to play it for you. Now, please don't hear this as judgment, but as an encouragement to not bail on Christ and his church because of the wickedness of his people. Here's Matt Chandler. The ability to love God's people, let's make some eye contact, is not rooted in their likability, but in the shared story and redemption that we all have in Christ. One of the, one of the things that I hear often and I see quite frequently uh, as, as a, a reason for bailing on the faith is the hypocrisy and, and, um, and, and whatever of Christians. Now, I, I want to acknowledge church hurt and betrayal is a real thing, but that is the most self-righteous pronouncement I think a person can say. Are you serious? The disciples don't bail on Jesus because of Judas. They got their eyes on Jesus. They're, they're blown away by Jesus. They're not looking around going, oh man, all these people were following him. And man, look at that, they're inconsistent. You're inconsistent. I'm inconsistent. This is the only community there is that celebrates the fact that we're all in process. Like nobody's there yet. Like to demand that you get grace and nobody else is, is self-righteousness. And to punt on Jesus because some Christian, you know, isn't up to your standards is a dangerous place to stand before a living God. In the early days here, we were back over in uh, the HV campus. I mean, we were learning how to do things, man. And, and there were, this God was saving Christ. I mean, there were just people smoking, you know, on the, on the front thing, like asking people for lights on the way in. I can't tell you how often people are like, hey, pastor, there's people smoking on the, they're, they're smoking in the parking lot. I'm like, yeah, and they're doing cocaine two weeks ago. We're going to give them the cigarette. <laughs> just going to be glad that they're here, glad that Jesus is working in their life. And we're not going to be like, hey, you shouldn't be smoking. Yeah, okay. But you know where he's come from? Do you know where they're? Do you know what they've been through? Guess what you're looking at as something that's hypocrite. You got no idea where they've been. You have no idea what they've been through. Now you want grace for you? You better give it to somebody else. That's what he says. Like you, hey, you like the brothers because of the gospel, not because they're likable. Anybody know Christians they don't like? I got my hand up. Oh y'all, y'all feel like you can't be honest? Do you see that? Like four of you, you liars. Seriously, you know Christians you don't like? Come on, there it is, thank you. Oh my gosh, yes. Do you know how many Christians don't like you? I mean, I got such a list. I'm probably adding to it today. No, listen, we have been born of imperishable seed, not perishable seed. What God has planted, he will carry on to conclusion. He began the good work, he'll finish it. That means I move towards you to try to understand. But we don't have to be best buds. As long as it doesn't approach like genuine abuse, obviously. Like, you know, you don't touch abuse with a 10-foot stick if you're not in a safe place to do it. But, and that also doesn't mean that like your parents should have stayed under the leadership of that church. Yeah. That's like a very good thing that they left. I don't think that that's the level of abandoning the church that... I'm talking about. I think a lot of people will leave Christ because of the church. But to leave a church for the sake of Christ, I think, is great. It's really good if 
there is scriptural basis and some of the scenarios you were talking about. If you're seeing that in your church, you just got to zip, man. Go find a biblical church. Go find good leadership because you're yoking under them and you're literally placing your spiritual development in their hands. So if they're misusing it, get out of there, man. That's not against like the word. That's like yeah, in accordance with the word. Right. But so much of that requires like a lot of biblical maturity, like mm-hmm. knowing what the difference is between am I being disciplined by a church according to scripture or am I being convicted by scripture because this church is preaching it well? Am I being like directed by like a spiritual brother who's like ma- like steering me in gentleness back to like the faith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or am I being abused, you know, or like misguided or am I are these like, am I uncomfortable because this is not a spirit from Christ, you know, or like, am I just being contentious? I, that's one that I, I struggle with. Like I, I hum and haw at, at things in messages and Sarah, my wife has to slap me sometimes because, you know, if, if the pastor says one thing that's, that's off immediately, I'm, hmm, you know, cause I'm a <laughs> dummy. Um, but like, so I don't know. So tight Titus 3, 9, 11 is one of the verses I, I wrote down. I thought it was really cool because like Paul kind of addresses both sides of that pretty pretty well and harshly to both sides. Um, he says, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law for they're unprofitable and worthless. So that one's probably to me. Um, <laughs> um, and then it says, as for a person who stirs up division... After warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. And like, that's harsh. Like, I mean, Lord forbid any, anyone reaches that point. But like, that's the end of, of some of that spirit in me and like quarrelsomeness and like having debates over genealogies, you know, like that's something a Bible nerd would do. Um, and like scripture matters and what scripture says matters. Um, but ultimately like some of those controversies, if they're foolish controversies, then they're unprofitable and worthless. Um, and like, it's important to like know whether you're being offended because of something, because of a foolish controversy, you know, like there's gotta be a lot of humility in that. And then on the other side, like you also have to have a lot of humility in knowing when you're being rightfully and biblically corrected. Like so much of it comes down to how well do you know your Bible? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like how, like, where's my compass? Um, the Holy Spirit is a powerful worker in discernment in those things. Absolutely. But God also speaks through his word, mm-hmm. like in ink for you to read. And like the spirit directs you to that. So yeah, I think, I think at least initially, like that was kind of one of the first things I noticed even in having those conversations with my mom was like, that's where she went to was, was scripture to see like, okay, if I'm, if I'm being or anybody, like if you're being accused of something, then where do you go to? Like, I'm a law student. I go to the law, you know, like (laughs) I go, what's the letter of the law that I'm being accused for here? Cause I want to figure out whether I'm, I'm guilty of that. And same way you go to scripture go to the law. You go, Mm -hmm. what am I doing wrong? Like, what do I need to reconcile to Christ or reconcile to my brother? Um, but you know, if, if all of that comes up null and if all of that comes up empty, then probably the church is in the wrong there. Um, but yeah. And then that's tough. Like at that point, like when do you, like what sort of controversies or accusations merit leaving, you know, 
Or do you want to like protect the unity of the bride? That was kind of one of the first things that I noticed with mom. Um, I really admired was she doesn't mess around when it comes to scripture. Like that is Mm -hmm. her safe place is in Christ there, Um, which was dope. So, um, and I think, um, unless you had anything to say, I think the second one was like about that question of when to leave, but go for it. Yeah. I think that the, uh, protecting the unity of the bride is an, a really effective anchor for me in terms of church hurt, church unity. Um, why should we even care about unity in the church and why should we even care about reconciliation is, um, there's a video that Jackie Hill Perry was in, uh, published through Desiring God years and years and years ago, um, where she's talking about like how her church hurt experience was healed through seeing mostly that like Jesus loves the church and seeing his heart for the church. One of the biggest motivating factors that helped me love the church again was seeing that Jesus loves the church. Um, seeing that Jesus calls his church his bride. Like, what personal language to use, <laughs> you know, for a group of people. So, and even how I need the church, how in Ephesians where it says, like, he said about prophets and evangelists and all these people to grow us up to maturity. It's like, man, how can I ask God, God, make me like you, but I refuse to put myself in the context in which he uses to make me like him. Um, where it's like, man, like these these prophets or teachers or pastors, they their their function is in a local body. And that is how I get mature. So if I love Jesus and I want to look like him, I need to put myself in the situation to grow. Um, how do how do I walk out love if I'm not in situations where I'm challenged to love or hate, you know? Um and I think even on the forgiveness factor, uh, I think God, this is an opinion, but I think God cares for us, desires for us to be healed, but I think he cares more about his glory. And that's hard to say, but I mean, like, I think some people that have been hurt use their pain as justification for hatred, which isn't right. Um, Jesus was hurt. Isaiah 53 tells us he was hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like he was disrespected, but he chose to love us and still chooses to love us. So I think that's our challenge um, as believers who have been hurt is I choose to love the church of God despite their flaws um, because Jesus loves me. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that, that love of protecting the unity of the bride was a good anchor for her. And I think it's a good anchor for me because it's like, if God is describing the church as his bride, what incredible imagery and what like fierce loyalty the Lord shows for his church. And if our response to that fierce loyalty of the Lord to his body is like later in like every uncomfortable situation, it's just not faithful to his heart. And I think that those who inflict church hurt are, if they are in sin and you really truly have done nothing wrong like your mom, that's on them. Like they are being unfaithful to the heart of God. Um, But I do also really respect your mom for going about it the right way and like seeking reconciliation before swearing it off. No, for sure. And she even said like she was laughing a little bit. She's like, I was young. There are things I'd do differently. I am certain that if we were to go through something like that again, 
we would have made some different choices. I know that based on the biblical concerns that were there, we would have had to have leave, had to have left um, even now had we gone through that. Do you think she would have just zipped sooner? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I didn't press her on that. Mm-hmm. It sounded like something like she was laughing about that she had thought about for a while, but I didn't press mm-hmm. her on it. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. I think that in everything we need to be having the eyes of Christ. Like even how we like, like so much of what Paul writes is like, we are cloaked in the righteousness of Christ. And when Christ looks at us, like he sees, or when God looks at us, he sees his son. Like he sees that, that perfection and that purity. And in the same way, like when Christ sees his church, when he sees his bride, like being sanctified and gathered to each other and like ready to present to him on his coming day, like, that's cool. That's motivation to get the church ready. Um, and if like, if your initial reaction is just to abandon that, like abandon that preparation, like, like we're in the final days right before a wedding. Like I've experienced that joy, you know, like I'm married um, and you're getting ready to experience that joy <laughs> and like are approaching that even now, like that, that sort of like anxious preparation of like, we're preparing the bride. We're getting everything ready. We're getting the celebration ready to go. We're getting the dress. It's pure white. You know, we're gathering our friends. And like John says, like, he says, like, I have something to the effect of like, I've completed my mission and I get joy because I'm the, I'm the friend of the bride. Like the friend of the bride has joy for the coming day. Um, Like, like we have to have that joy and the joy of the groom and the joy of the bride, like all of them together. Um, and like, if that's your motivation, then reconciliation becomes a lot easier. But so too does like moving on and keep serving, like keep getting connected. Mm-hmm. Like you've got work to do to prepare for this wedding, um, which is really cool. And I love that that's a metaphor that Christ uses. Like it makes so much sense being married now. But like, and that's true in the Old Testament too. Like one of the other verses I wrote down was like Isaiah 54. It says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he's called. Um, so I loved that one specifically because it's it's like it combines so many things where it's like the maker is your husband. Like not only is your husband your husband, he also created you for himself. Um, and, and it says God of the whole earth he is called, where he's like gathering his people and into unity into the, in the body of Christ body of Christ and the bride. Yeah. That imagery is so cool. And like, if that's what we've got in our mind, like if we've got that eternal purpose, it becomes a lot easier to come back to the church and keep serving and keep being the bride and working towards purity. Mm-hmm. I, I paired that one with um, Philippians one, nine through 10. And this is Paul says, and it is my prayer that you, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ that is coming. Like, that's why. That's why we're getting all this knowledge, all this discernment. That's why we're trying to like work out our, our salvation and fear and trembling. And like part of our salvation is, is navigating what we do in church, how we serve, which churches are we a part of, who are we learning from, who's pouring into us. That's why we work that out in fear and trembling is because it's for the day of Christ. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's really good. Um, Yeah. Having perspective on that, I think helps so much. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything else to add. Cool. I think I wrote out 
I wrote out like a little paragraph just to kind of sum it up. At least I was I wrote some of this down just as I was talking to mom. Yeah. Um, and to Sarah. Um Sarah Sarah's family's gone through this too. Um something pretty similar. And this was Sarah approved when I wrote nice. it. So sweet. <laughs> it says, Trust and look to Christ and his word for your peace and assurance of his goodness. Be the pure bride of Christ and seek peace and communion with those who are doing the same. The bride is still being perfected and is clothed in the righteousness of Christ, preparing to be presented to the groom as a pure and holy bride. Covet that union and seek to further that purity in your own service to the church and Christ. Show discernment in where you cast your blame. Yeah. The discernment, I think, is something that I'm excited to encourage Roots listeners to chase. Discernment really is the name of the game in like so many Christian Christian life areas because what might look like church hurt from a story told by someone could have been faithful church discipline to a pastor. Like it literally could be. And that discernment and understanding like, am I, are my feelings hurt or am I being abused? The discernment right. between that and like is like, both, like both realities exist. And it's so important like to figure out which one it is and do it quickly. Um, Cause like consequences for either delaying, like dealing with actual abuse are obviously detrimental. Like you saw the, the did you, rise and fall of Mars Hill. Yeah. Rise and fall of Mars Hill. Like, an example of just delayed dealing with actual abuse, mm-hmm. like turns catastrophic. Um, but overreaction to discipline or conviction or real good scriptural teaching that just hurts to hear, mm-hmm. not figuring that out also leads to catastrophic stuff too. And I don't, so, he- I don't hear a lot of those stories. I don't want to say that there are droves of people like, ah, he just told me to stop sleeping with my girlfriend and I just had to leave. That was like abuse. <laughs> what I hear more of is things that are either sickening, like churches that Mm. have done incredibly horrible things. And like my my reaction is like, yeah, get out of there completely. And most competent pastors would say, yeah, leave, like get out of there. I hear those stories. And then there are stories that I hear of legitimate wrongdoing from the leadership of a church, but one that does not warrant the response that the person telling the story is having. Like it's Mm -hmm. full of poison in their tone of just like Mm -hmm. genuine hatred and malice towards this mistake or mistakes that a church leadership team or a church leadership person has inflicted on the person telling the story to me. And my response is like, man, that's, it's genuinely tough. That's genuinely tough. Mm -hmm. But the response it's not a mountain out of a molehill. It's a mountain out of like a hill, you know, where it's like, it's right. not a molehill. It's like still significant, but it's not right. what you're making it. You are submitting yourself to the sin of worry and angst and vitriol. Yeah. And like, that's instead. a hill that Christ can conquer, mm-hmm. you know, like that's a hill Christ did die on. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> like you can move past it, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Um, with like really seeking peace. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's like that's why it's it's so important to take what Paul says seriously. Like as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. Mm-hmm. Like that's not always going to be possible because sometimes it doesn't depend on you. Yeah. Like sometimes all you get in return for peace and reconciliation is more venom. Yeah. And more anger and whatever else. 
And some of those situations, like, you can't reconcile. But it's still your responsibility to be to be peaceable and to live peaceably with people. And, like, yeah, and from the other side, like Christ says, like, he didn't come to bring peace but a sword. So, like, there are things worth separating over, mm-hmm. like doctrine. Yeah. Um, but also, like, still, you got to seek peace and be loving and gentle in correction and show discernment. Um, yeah. I love what yeah. you said about Christ dying on that hill because the only person truly able to understand church hurt is Jesus Christ. Really, if you think about it, because it's the religious leaders of the religion he started killing him. Mm-hmm. Like literally like church hurt, the church. <laughs> it's almost too on the nose to even like yeah. not laugh about a little bit, but like the only person who didn't deserve any hatred from religious folk received death from religious folk and he submitted to it and he like died for us for those religious folk and that's not to say that we can or should submit to endless abuse and submit to endless Mm -hmm. like lack of being faithful in leadership in a church that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we should we should stay in a bad church until we get crucified that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is like those painful emotions really can be identified with. Like when you talk about it with Christ, it's not something he's disconnected with. It's something that if we bring our church to Christ and bring it to Calvary, mm-hmm. he's like, I get it. I really get it to a, to a further extent than you do. And yeah, like, like I get it. We, yeah, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us. He's able to be merciful because he's experienced sin in every way that we have. Like Hebrews is so clear about that. Um, yeah, and especially in church hurt, I don't I don't know how much more hurt you can be um, than being crucified. <laughs> Literally, the but, the offices that you ordained for your worship, the men yeah. holding those offices are breaking the rules of those offices to crucify the person who made the offices. I'm saying yeah. offices well, too much, but I know. And like when you think about it, like that, and the fact that like the the Jewish people, like the Israelites were his bride. Mm-hmm. Like before the Gentiles were brought in, like that was always his plan. Obviously the old Testament says so, but like Israel was his bride. Um, and his bride crucified him, um, which is just wicked. <sighs> just, yeah. But he did it willingly. Like that was his baptism. And now he gets the final purity in the wedding when the church is reunited with him. Um, it's really cool. I don't know. I want to be as excited about that day as Christ is. Mm -hmm. And I want my actions in no matter what hurts me to reflect that. In conclusion, I'd encourage you to take a lesson from Chris and Israel. Don't let church hurt and abuse stand in the way of Christ and the authority of his word. And also don't let church hurt and abuse stand in the way of the church and the way Christ has called us to be involved in the church. Also, I know every story has two sides, so do your best to forgive often and trust God to settle accounts. He can do it better than we can anyway. I want to offer a huge thanks to Israel and Chris Healy for making this episode possible. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I will leave it in the Lord's hands to sanctify his people through this content all glory to him alone, always. If you haven't yet, 
Leave us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. It really helps us out. Uh, Let us know who you are, where you're listening from, as well as what topics in scripture would be helpful to you for us to cover. Um, As always, guys, go to the Bible, read the text, and pray that the Lord might open your eyes to see him for who he really is. Let your maker root you to himself. Until next week, guys. See you later.